she's off. How about that fart and robot, huh? Oh my god, I we'll want to talk about it, but there's there's a fart like it has your classic roboty farts like with the reverb on it, but there's one I swear to God, it's just like it just sounds like a Welcome to the Jerk Practice Podcast. I'm Hans. I'm Casey. And I just heard one of the greatest things I've... I f- I f- I'm so excited I'm tripping over myself because mm-hmm. I literally heard this on the radio 15 minutes uh, ago and I had to stop and scribble it down because I, I was like, this is the greatest <laughs> just thing I've ever heard. from lane to lane. I just gotta get it out. Um... So I'm listening to NPR, and I missed the part. I think it might be, like, the local South Carolina station. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily yeah. have to be, but it was just a segment on how people are spending their $600 stimulus checks. Oh, And so... <laughs> so these are, I have to say, these are one of my guilty pleasures. Like, I, I remember you and I would watch... They didn't make a lot of it. It was a very niche uh, reality show, but it was, like... How lottery winners spend their money. Oh, yep, yep, yep. Uh, you have no so idea. So this is even better because it's sadder than that. Sure. Like, I just won 600 bucks. So it's ex- that's exactly what it is on a $600 level. Um, but all the better. So this woman's like, this interviewer, and then she cuts to the se- to the woman doing the segment. Like, so how are people spending those $600 checks? We're going to cut to Andrea Squint. With uh, with somebody who has news on just that, she's like, "I'm Andrea Squint. This is Rusty Scruggins, and he has a story <laughs> to tell about his six hundred dollar check." And she's like, "So, Rusty, how how have you been spending your stimulus check, or did you save it, or what are people doing with it?" He's like, "Soon as I saw that check in my bank account, first thing I did, big barbecue dinner." And I was like, I was like, that's great. Yes. But he, I was like, this guy my is favorite. a poet. BBD. Because he does Big barbecue dinner. No, Casey. It goes, big barbecue dinner. I'm talking brisket, baked beans, cornbread, iced teas. It was like a 70 buck dinner. And then I, got, <laughs> I was like, that was pretty. And then he goes, and I got a $50 pair of jeans. And then as I was buying my jeans, I was in a store. And I'm not the type to buy paintings, but I saw a pretty little French painting of a man with a pipe, and I bought it. And then I brought that French painting home and hung it up, and I said, that painting's too pretty for the wall, so I got her tattooed. And that tattoo is like 400 bucks. And now my money's gone. It's <laughs> like, are you the real-life Homer Simpson, Rusty? That is, no, and I, in, in my mind, because of the voice you gave him, all of this happened in one strip mall. Yes. So the corner lot's a big barbecue place. Next door to that is a beautiful jeans store. Only jeans. <laughs> yeah. Only fifty dollars. Next to jeans. that, uh, a, a fancy poster store. Because <laughs> yeah. he's not buying original <laughs> art unless there's a French gallery somewhere. <laughs> yeah, and what? then next to that fancy poster store, oh dang, dang old tattoo! <laughs> I love it so much. I want to put it on my back where I can never see it. 
Yeah, because you got a feeling. So I'm not. Uh, so the name, I, I didn't hear the name. The voice is spot on. Um, but so seventy dollars is a lot of barbecue. Based on this yes. guy's dialect, that's a lot even, of barbecue. Even if you're going poundage. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like that's where you get pricey. Even then, that's a lot of meat. <laughs> yeah. So that's a lot of barbecue. I mean, still can do it. $70 can do it. It's a yeah, big barbecue. Yeah. And he said iced tea. So he's not padding it with Coors Lights or a, a nice Beaujolais. No, that's, 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 that's all the, the fucking main event. Yeah. He's not, he's not drinking whiskey sours and like, oh, then I only had 20 bucks left for a barbecue sandwich. And then we're talking $50 jeans. And I'm not a snob here, and it's a shame they are, but. Here are Levi's not on sales with fifty dollar mm-hmm. pair of jeans. Unfortunately, this guy's not buying denizens. Yeah. These are true blue. Oh no, five. He could have got at least three pairs of Target jeans. So he got fifty dollar jeans, big purchase, but um, still reasonable. All right, uh, not reasonable, but still a normal purchase. And then yeah. he buys this pretty French painting, which you're absolutely right. It pretty was a painting. he went into a UCD store and bought. I I I wish I knew. It's probably a subline poster or something of a pretty French guy <laughs> with a pipe. But now and I even got... weed pipe, not like pipe pipe. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I gotta tell you, I'm concerned because I think that four hundred dollar tattoo is mm-hmm. more quantity than quality. Like I think this yeah. guy has this entire poster from neck to butt cheeks. Right. Poorly yeah. like, tattooed talking... on his body. Because four hundred dollars Ben Affleck style. Yeah tasteless giant back tattoo yeah i don't think and also you have gotten more tattoos than i have yeah could you just go into a tattoo shop and be like like it's a casino like i got 400 let it ride and just let them give you 400 dollars worth of tattoo can you go worth first or do you can you jockey with the artist for like it's so size and color funny you mention it because what i've learned is tattoo artists are like anyone else like they want to like create a relationship they don't want to get pressed they want to get paid for their work but they right. also that tattoo not artist is like i'm staring down the barrel four giant barbecue dinners if i can get this hook this fish on the hook right so if you go in and you're just like, I want a tiny little tattoo, but you go in and they're just like, this fucking asshole is just throwing me like a tiny little tattoo. He didn't like, you know, mm-hmm. all of a sudden you're paying a hundred dollars for eh, something as simple as like a line tattoo that normally when you would go in to get real work, you talk at the front like, hey, like I'm thinking about this piece. What are we thinking? Like, yeah. you shouldn't feel shy when you're coming in with an actual tattoo. Being like, what are we looking at with that? And then, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the difference is, if they give you a huge price, you can just go like, oh, all right, well, I'm gonna have to do that installment, so that's like a little too much right now. You shouldn't mm-hmm. hesitate doing that. What you shouldn't do is being like, you take two hundred. You just shouldn't do that. Right. You just shouldn't. I want this, and here's how much I'll pay for this. Right. But that being said, I've seen people go in. Uh, actually when I was waiting, that's why it's on the top of my mind when you mention it, go in and like specifically say exactly what you said. Like, I'm looking to get this. I got like 200 bucks. Like, is that going to cover this and this and cost? And the guy, this guy was dealing with was like, 
Yep, absolutely. That's like right on the money with my da da da. So you shouldn't yeah, be yeah. shy about that. But this guy went in and just said, "I got four hundred bucks left in my stimulus. I bought this kick-ass poster of this drunkard with the pipe. <laughs> Go for it." <laughs> and he's got the tightest skin tight French <laughs> jeans new, on. Too. They're new. There's no. There's no giving these. Got, They're not forgiving. Got some ribs in the back pocket for still, his session. Still got the size strip on the leg. Mm-hmm. Didn't take it off yet. Brisket, uh, beans. Over, under, yeah, his he stinks, his fingers still smell like meat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, over, under, how much it, do you think that poster was actually an old absinthe ad? Oh, there, that's wondering where like, we're going with that. Did he, does he just confuse and he just bought that monkey sitting on a barrel, like smoking a cigar? <laughs> like, what is that? There's like a famous, or maybe it's not, it's infamously in college dorms. It's like a monkey sitting on a barrel like drinking a bottle of wine and smoking a banana or something you can, I don't can you know. picture I want, this i'll I want, send I want you an image and now. you'll go like oh uh, right. yeah that sandwiched between the the uh fucking uh pink floyd yes on yes. the backs of the naked women and then the melting clocks by dolly i think the people listening or maybe right the now old, can picture it and you will too the old guinness the toucan with all the Guinnesses on his beak? It's, Usually it's, in a bathroom. It's up that. It's it's that. It's that. Um, it's in that regard, yeah. So it's probably, although I don't know, like barbecue beans, pretty French painting. Oh! <laughs> pretty oh, French painting. I know what it is. I know what it is. Yeah. And Van Gogh's not French. But isn't there a famous Van Gogh self-portrait man with pipe? Yes, where he's got the furry winter hat. Yeah. That's what he's got. And he's got a corn cob uh, pipe in his mouth. No, your art detectives. history, Rube. I don't even know. Where's Van Gogh from? Uh, uh, he's Dutch. Dutch, right? So the Netherlands? Yeah. Yeah. He painted it in France, though. That guy's got the most <laughs> generic. Ah, uh, Van Gogh is. <laughs> just picturing like, crappy, crappy poster store. And it's like, like a CD store sorted by genre or artist. This place is just, you got French, you got American, and then you got weed. I, I, I bet he's like, can I get this pretty French pipe boy tattooed, but can you make his eyes yin-yangs? <laughs> <laughs> now, I will never, now I will never unsee that. Yeah, I mean, that's you, you knew right Van- there. We're in the wrong era. Van Gogh dreamed in yin-yangs, bro. It's just, that's Andrew Warhol. He just takes the Van Goghs. Screen prints them, but in each one he just uses like that iconography, that generic iconography of the sixties right. in some way. So starry, starry night, all the stars mm-hmm. are upside down crosses. Swirling <laughs> uh, uh, melty crosses. Um, let's see the Van Gogh self portrait with a bandage. Um, He's got to have cool John Lennon glasses. Yeah, see, they're... <laughs> that, are the, that are the yin and yang, yin yangs. Yin yang glasses. Uh, maybe he's got a... Underneath the bandage is like a dangly feather earring or something. <laughs> That's later. That's it's just, no, it's taped. It's either taped to the bandage or the hook. It's just hooked into that <laughs> fiber into of the, the bandage. Fiber of the bandage. Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, Yeah, so... How did you spend your stimulus? I mean, that's how, I mean, you know what? I'm not knocking him. 
I'm not the next person that was on was like, yeah, we had, and I was like, where does this person live? Like the like the Dakotas in 1860. She's like, we and and forgive me, but she was like, we had to buy heating oils, and you know, <laughs> like like I was like, yeah, she had to pay her electric bill, I guess. But she just she very distinctly said we had to buy our heating oils, and I guess. Uh, I mean, I guess for me, I was a, not much different because I was like, gas is under two bucks. And I was like, Tony Soprano running from the FBI, like, peel out one vehicle, fill it up, bring it back. I'll see you in 15, peel out, fill up the other vehicle. Oh, yeah. And then I filled the back of my car with pretty, pretty French paintings. <laughs> and used CDs. Pet shop, <laughs> that, that fun orange um stippled pet shop boy cd you'd always come across yeah oh man um yeah i i i knock him but i don't i'm just in the wrong era like i wish i got my 600 dollars stimulus check when i i would i would spend him under the table with frivolity oh my god yes like i'm trying to think back remember was it right when we moved to New York that the uh, Bush stimulus check came out? And what was that? Two hundred bucks. Two hundred, and you would have thought the world Could turned upside now. down the <laughs> yeah, way people were fighting over those two hundred two hundred dollars after I think tax came out of that or something like, and then it like worked out to like it. Re- I think mine was like one hundred and sixteen dollars. It was not a lot. No. But it was needed at the time, as I recall. I was like, oh, yeah, oh, bucks. oh, yeah, 200 bucks. Not scoffing at it. But you did always hear, like, I, you take it, but I did hear a lot of, like, you want to spend it, you want to support him, go for it. Like, dickhead, what do you want me to do? <laughs> I'm Just not spend in... <laughs> it. Help somebody out. Spend it at somebody's shop. Go yeah, buy right. something. Right. Buy a pretty French paint and help this artist out. Sure. Oh my God! Yeah, I—I I mean, I heard that with Trump too. Like, you—I well, guess you don't want to spend it then. Like, bitch. <laughs> Fine. I know what you want me to say. It's green, baby. It spends. I spend it. Yeah. I don't care who it comes from. Uh, or the nerd that puts it in savings, ruining our country. I know. I just paid off my paid down my credit card, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to put it back in. I Don't heard, pay for money you already spent. Yeah, that's that's exactly where I was too. I was like, sweet, and then we're both like looked at it, like our bank account. We're like, this feels so right. And then I was like, it's not real. Like, can Dad take us down a peg? How how many seconds does it take for Dad to take us down a peg? It's yeah. not real. We got bills, like credit cards. And I'm like, I should just pay off this whole credit card. And then I'm like. Ooh, I got a low APR for another three months. Maybe I'll just let it ride, knowing because that's just me in the like, mm-hmm. like that's oh, me yeah. tricking myself, going, well, it's not due. Like the APR doesn't switch until until June, so we'll just hold off on it in case right. it comes up. That shit is gonna be gone, 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 gone. But did I? I did something. Really. I bought like uh, here's what a six hundred dollars stimulus check does. Um, prior to that. I was telling Jesse, uh, Meg's birthday was recently, and we ordered pizza from a place. We're like, it's kind of pricey. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, they do like a, a new like vegan hoagie. Let's get it. Ordering online, and then she clicks the sandwich. She's like, oh, they're asking us what kind of chips we want. I was like, oh, really? Come get chips. Gotta Great. Get the chips. <laughs> right. 
So maybe you can see what this is going. She's a regular barbecue. I was like, barbecue? Yeah, oh, cool. Chips. All right. So <laughs> this is free. So we get our food, and then we're looking at the bill and going, $2.50 online order fee? That we didn't call it. I didn't call them. And then, so, <laughs> I told and then we go like, phone. "Wait a minute, what's this? A dollar twenty-five? Oh, for chips? They said, what kind of chips do you want? Not do you want to buy <laughs> chips? And then the coup de gras. Where the fuck are those chips? No chips. Oh, they left for chips. No and chips. And both of us were like, "Where's the email? What? <laughs> where's there the aren't text? enough zeros." <laughs> I was like, we're getting a coupon. No, How we would <laughs> never, ever ask them to come back with the chips. But I want a dollar twenty-five credit. And here's post post six hundred dollars stimulus check. Gonna peruse the aisles. Like, what is this? Yoda nightlight. <laughs> Threw it in the cart like it was nothing. Yeah, that's cool. Yoda nightlight. Like, rung it up. I was sure it'd be under five bucks. It's like seven fifty. Alright, well it's a cool nightlight. Cool it's cool, man. Makes light. I was Yoda, about to screw string me, somebody up from the Capitol for these barbecue <laughs> chips. Give me six hundred bucks, I'll spend that baby. Beans, brisket, big barbecue dinner. It's like seventy oh, big, bucks. Big old barbecue. It's like, this guy? King of bees. Amazing. So yeah, I was what, um, this is happening. Oh yeah, go ahead. That had interrupted what I was doing is you and I were talking about like um, sitcoms that was kind of rolling over from our last episode where it's coming up with stupid mm-hmm. sitcom reboots and ideas. But get to that whenever you sent me the greatest clip I've seen. So this was my favorite audio clip. And then it interrupted. Uh, no, it didn't. It came right after. You sent me an audio clip of a 1978. I'm gonna have to put it up on our on our Facebook. 1978 NBC fall lineup is like th- it is fucking 25 minutes long. So that ran in a slot. Yeah. yeah. So you finished what you were watching and you watched 20. Because I started, I was like, oh cool. And I was hoping to get through it, and I was like, holy shit, I have 20 more minutes of this left? Intimidating, yeah. For a Thank clip. God, there's not enough. They, uh, and that, I'll tell you this, I could watch my entire, I could, that could be my entire entertainment for a night, is just mm-hmm. different years, lineups from different networks. Yeah. It was so fucking bizarre and fantastic, because as I'm thinking of it, it was the 1978 NB. See us, S E E us oh, yeah. lineup, and so these are the it's they're they're hitting you they're hitting you with their specials, their new this sitcoms, the... their new dramas. This is what they put the this is the bank. This is what they're bankrolling, and I gotta these tell families you, families' lives depend on this. This is like, this is your shot, baby. It was like, oh. let's do it. This is the best. <laughs> of, like what we're about to talk about is. The most expensive yes. and the best that NBC could offer in the year 1978. And bef- and while all of you out there are going, 1978, all right, this show was big, maybe Charlie's Angels. Not a single one of nope. these shows, not only was it not a hit, 
and we're junkies. We're TV pop culture junkies. Not one of these registered with me. Not one. Or have have not even referenced by other comedians or media like as a joke. <laughs> like these things were scrubbed from history by the Stalin of NBC. And what's amazing is they're all so beautifully rife for I was just like, this so. is, it was jerk practice after jerk practice after jerk practice. And we'll start right off the bat with one of the, so this, I watched this and then, like you said, it's 25 minutes for a YouTube clip. That's an eternity. So I watched this, I sent you a message. I was like, this is unbelievable. And then I didn't get back to it till today. But the first one was a little show. Would you call it a, a dramedy or straight sitcom? <laughs> I thought I couldn't tell because – and that's also the thing about this – for it, like, showcasing the delights that you were about to experience in this coming 1978 NBC fall and spring season, they don't tell you what anything is. So the first one, I was like, what? I've never heard of this sitcom. And then I was like, is it a TV movie? Was it a movie? Is it a... I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And it was. Uh, what? And it was, it's, it's called, I believe, what was it? Grandpa Goes to Washington? Grandpa Goes to Washington. Don't even bury the lead. They just <laughs> hit you right in the face with it. And it's Jack Albertson of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory fame. And I would imagine this is coming off of his Chico and the Man run. That's the show. I was like, I know he was in a sitcom where he played an old grump. So he's riding that old grump. Not and they're riding it hard because so the premise is he's working at a university, I believe. This Jack Albertson, grandpa, and it cuts to him in an office, and they're like, Sorry, but you're 65. Our institution has a mandatory retirement age of 65. And he's like, What does that mean now? They're like, Get out, <laughs> you're out of here. And of course, they have your beautiful clips where the grumpy old man is talking about like. You know, the Potsdam Resolution, like all these old historic things that these kids are like yo-yoing and feet on the chair. And he's like, kids these days don't know nothing about history. So, yeah, he's a history professor. He walks out after this meeting like, oh, unbelievable. And he's curmudgeoning. And I believe he walks out of the stairs of this down the stairs from this dean's office and trips over like a bag of garbage and, <laughs> and a newscaster's there and it's like Senator Bunk is at it again refusing to end the garbage strike what do you think about it, sir he's like oh Bunk's a bunch of criminals anyway I'm going to Washington <laughs> it's like grandma goes to Washington it's like it's so good because it just ba- yeah like Hodge described it perfectly this old man complains so much on television they're like we gotta run him against bunk it's it's as if you took joe the plumber and actually ran him against barack obama because he did that well on one interview where he's grousing about the government so if you're in a pitch meeting here's what it is if you're um uh johnson and Mir, you go in we got it jack albertson Mm -hmm. He's hot. Uh, Sign him up. People are loving Jimmy Stewart. As older, we can't get Jimmy Stewart. We got Jack Albertson. Jimmy Stewart, what did he do? He was Mr. Smith. He went to Washington. Common man goes to Washington. You like 
Jack Albertson. You like famous grandpas? You like Washington? He's going. You like going too? And he's taken down the conservatives. Um, oh my god. I, I just couldn't believe it. And I couldn't believe how I never... Time after time of these, I could not believe that I'd never I heard never, of this show. Yeah. And then it made me so salivate so much going, this is just one fall lineup from one network and I haven't heard of a single one of these shows. How, How many, many years beautiful, are there? Beautiful, unknown, one episode running, horribly garbage, like, you know, because you can tell, like, you can tell what they put into it, the way they edit it, like, they were staking the network. This was going to be their... It. Uh, what would you... Comp- you know, what, like, what? we got Alco Steel. Yeah. We got... <laughs> You know, like Johnson and Johnson, they're demanding oh, the most yeah, from the us. Upfronts, yes, yes. And then it's followed by East meets Westbot. So, sorry, that's my. I got an idea. So it's East meets West. You got a uh, uh, everybody likes you. you. Got a cross culture thing, a little fish out of water, and it's all surrounding um, a like lazy robot created by like a lazy inventor and he's trying to pitch this robot but this robot's been designed after him so it has all his characteristics so it it's meant to like make your life easier simpler organized Mm -hmm. but this guy's a louse he's a slouch he's you know out all night partying he's got a messy apartment he don't take no guff so he goes to sell this robot that he spent all of his time, all of his money on, and they say, Everything. "Get out of here!" But he's drink. He's drinking his woes away. He sees a commercial for China, and China, the technological. Fr- uh, let's go Japan, the technological <laughs> yeah. frontier of the new era. So he brings his robot east, Westbot. East meets West Bot, (laughs) but he goes there and he's a fish out of water. He's a robot's a fish out of water. He's got to conform to a very um, conservative, constructural world where these robots are by the book to the point, just like they're inventors. But West Bot always saves the day because he brings some levity to it and. Comedy like, it's like you should go Japan because you can that in that era is the ascendance of Japan. Yes. So it's when you start to see in pop culture like movies like Gung Ho in which the, the Japanese bring their work ethic and the their you know, just their economy's booming and everything and everybody's like, These guys work too hard. These guys they're they're mean. And you're right. You want to party and play softball. You're yes. And oh, baseball is big over there too. Mm-hmm. So they're like, "Where's Westbot?" Baseball. So he finally finds like a cool, like not cool, but he finds somebody that's willing to bankroll him. That's not mm-hmm. like that gung ho style, like traditional Japanese, like um, go getter. He's like, "All right, I'll I'll go for you because I, I like the cut of your jib, right?" But mm-hmm. then you know he's like. He's got to rely on these guys, but what what happens? He's like, where are they? 
And then he looks at the screen and they're at a um, uh, Tokyo Dodgers game. You know, like he's <laughs> yeah. spilling beers and or catching a oh, catching a foul ball. Right. And then yep. later on, he's like, where were you? He's like, sorry, we were I was computing the traffic. And then his contraption opens in the beginning and the foul ball rolls out. <laughs> West popcorn. Yeah. Um, oh, but it's also riding the uh, the Johnny Five, you know, fun, oh, yep. oh, kooky yeah. robot as well. Sassy bot. There's a lot there. But getting back to reality. Yeah. There's a show that was on the 1978 NBC Us lineup starring Joe Namath. This is, this, this is, I just had to stop and re, like replay it because I was like, I don't. I like wow! It made me so mad that I could not go into a time machine and just like work in that crazy world of because this is like the the poster child for like they don't give a shit Mm-mm. like they, anything goes like it was very anything goes. You wanna you wanna so the show is called Waverly Wonders. You don't find out why until the end, but oh yeah, they bury they ramble through this whole little section. The time I so it's um oh my god, it's so good, Casey. So it's Waverly Wonders. It is a sitcom though, maybe like some kind of had an after school special feel to it, kind of a Welcome Back Cotter feel, maybe. Yeah, I was just gonna say in that classic tried and true, like. down and out school like teacher it's school it's set yes. in school so you got your kids you got your teachers you got that dichotomy and then in that dichotomy you fold in broadway joe man name famed sitcom actor joe Namath. so my favorite so the first interaction you see they're like they say they're like joe Namath is you know henry ruggins school oh, teacher no, he- he his last name is Kate Casey because they oh, have yes. the like yes. quote unquote sexual tension. That's what and yep. he calls this woman by her name and she's like, My name is Miss Donovan, Mr. Casey, and he's like, Hey, just call me Casey. Doesn't she just call me Casey? She goes, I think in this context you should call me Miss Donovan. He goes, Okay, Miss Donovan. She goes, Thank you, Mr. Casey. It's just Casey. I'm easy. And then she goes, I bet you are. Broadway Joe, baby. Broadway Joe. The next shot is him in a classroom with with this girl or guy, I forget, this student. And he just goes, hey, when I was, I'm a teacher. I started by teaching my dog. I said, hey, spot, sit. And then the hugest studio laughter you've ever heard. And then I'm like, oh my god! Even the student is breaking, but he's not. Like it's supposed that that's the big joke. Like the student is laughing uncontrollably as an actor because that's the funniest <laughs> joke ever. He goes, "Hey, spot, sit." And now, I teach kids. Cut, cuts cut. to hard cut. The Waverly Wonders, and it's just it's Joe Namath, but he's coaching. Who is a football player, by the way. <laughs> coaching a fucking basketball team <laughs> yes. the wave like what 
like I guess somebody pitched huh? it like you're not gonna believe it. Yeah, he's a high school coach, basketball coach, and all he does is all he does is sink uh, half court bombs, three pointers the whole time. And then in true classic 1978 fashion, he's like, "You guys are hopeless." And then a young female student comes up to him. And she's like, "I want to join the team," and he just goes. Ah, oh, jeez. Cut. <laughs> the Waverly Wonders. It, and it, they layer, like, it's a it's a trailer, but it's not a trailer. Because, like, the scene you mentioned where he's like, hey, talking ain't, talking's not, talking's hard, you know. I started out by talking to my dog. And you're like, why is he ta- talking about talking to his dog? And then they do the whole Waverly Wonders scene. And then they have a scene in the principal's office where the crotchety old dean is riding cool Casey. <laughs> and it's just out of context. You're like, okay, cool. It establishes that he is the cool teacher. And then it cuts. And he's like, I guess I gotta go. The, uh, teaching ain't my bag. And you're like, wait, what? It's supposed to be the teacher. And then that same kid he was talking to, like, muscles up triumphantly and goes, that's bull. And then the audience goes, and you realize the kid doesn't talk. Like, that was the whole interaction oh. was, like, the kid didn't say anything. Mm-hmm. So then old Case rolls in, tells him he's going to quit. And he's like, don't quit on me, Case. I'll be a wonder. And then it's I, over. <laughs> see, I, it was so out of context. I didn't, is it about and basketball? Now that you mentioned, I remember about... that. I was just like, I guess Bull is taboo in 1978 oh it was hot it was a hot take so i got so yeah that went on to do as we know 10 seasons and (laughs) had a spinoff fucking joe namath like oh i just it's just a i wish i yearn for an era before i the the inflection point is the cell phone bottom line yeah i want to go back i want to go back to the coily phones, because that means I'm going back to TV guides and fall lineups mm-hmm. and watching that shit God. and not watching it nostalgically. And I don't think I'm an no. idiot. I think I would sit there and go, what the fuck is going on? But still being like, it's still yeah. TV. I, w- I, like, I did it like it was an academic exercise. Like I loved the fall because it was new shows and I watched every show. Oh, yeah. On every station that I could watch. And how much? And it was just to be like, hmm, what's my Tuesday night in the future going to look like? <laughs> oh, yes. Um, I think I'm going to be watching this on Tuesday. Like, it's just like an old woman, which seems insane to describe I was eight years old. Well, and so let me ask you this. How distraught were you when you when you picked a horse? You went, all right, Herman Head's my guy. Yeah, and oh, then that's you a good one. That's in, a good reference, yeah. You tune in on a Friday night, and you're like, 7.30, you go, well, all right, all right, they just moved it back an hour. Yeah, they must, maybe they moved it around. And then, and then you're like, I, I know I'm mixing networks, but then 9 o'clock hits, and ER comes on, you're like, there can't, oh there can't God, be a sitcom. There can't be post-ER sitcom. So, <laughs> no, I know you keep... So that you, comedy window, you know it. Oh, so you once know it, it hits, well. once you start to see like Knots Landing, ER, forty, like you're like, this, nothing's funny something. anymore. I just want a comedy. Name 
the first nine o'clock was it eight or nine? I forget. Name the first drama or non sitcom show that you would actually stick around for. Can you I was remember? probably ER. Was it ER? It was probably ER, yeah. I think I was an ER man too, but I wasn't religious. Because it was Thursday, because that you would watch through. You get your friends, oh, yes. you get your oh, Seinfeld. Yes. You watch Mad that you. must see TV, Matt. You and then you watch ER. Jonathan Single. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that was the first because I didn't watch Law and Order. No, me neither. Like live, I watched it like when it was on reruns on like AMC. What about? Would you include X Files? I feel like X Files was my Ooh. first one where I was like, "No, you're right. That was that would be the first one where not only did you stick around for it, you were like." I videotaped up. Yeah, you, yes. Oh, yeah. And you were getting pumped up from the promos. Because, I mean, how good was that Sunday night for a minute? Yeah. Simpsons. Oh, yeah. All right. Let me not fuck it up. Simpsons. It, King of the Hill. There for a while, it was Simpsons married with children. King of the Hill. And, it, and even back in that year, it was in Living Color. Oh, yes. In Living Color. And then an X-Files on there. I know things moved around. They threw the PJs in there for a minute. Yeah. Because X-Files used to be on Friday. Yes, yes, yes. And then yes, they moved it, it to Sunday when Sunday was like, oh, this is Fox's night to, like, let's just take everyone's money. They crushed Sundays. Because I think Simpsons used to be Thursday. It did. Yeah. And then NBC became that judge. Because it was a school night. And I was like, I got to gauge uh-huh. pick my shows before it's time to retire. So I wish I could, like, they all, it's all somewhere in my limbic system. But I wish I so Herman's head. I can think of all the shows that got moved around, and I'm like, that fucks up my schedule. Uh, there I got was my one other show. I distinctly remember because I was so excited for it. Like all I could do was think about it all day at school. I just I couldn't stop thinking about it because I was like, this is gonna be my new show. I love because they made a TV show about based on Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Okay. And I was like, this is it. This is my show. They had the first episode. It was followed by a show that I hated because it wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. And that show was Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And that show took its that <laughs> just one. took its spot. Just took it over. That's... And then they came around to Fresh Prince. But I was like, that's it. They showed one episode. <laughs> that's that's what I'm trying to remember. Those single episodes. Yeah, they generally were like those TV, those movie spinoffs. I wish I, uh, uh, you know, maybe they'll come. Um, this, maybe? I'm thinking about a show. So MC Hammer had a cartoon. Oh, are you pitching shows? I got a couple shows. I did some work, I'm too. I'm mixing them in. I'm mixing them in. Uh, what okay. do you think about a sh- this show? It's entitled Shoe Win. Shoe okay. Win. Shoe In. Got it. Shoe nice. Win. Magic Shoes. Doesn't matter who oh, puts them right on. From the, the, he had a show. It's a cartoon. MC Hammer show. MC Hammer show with the magic shoes. Well, this, talking shoes with eyes. Those no were less. talking shoes. I'm thinking these shoes, they glitter to show their magic, but they yeah. can solve any problem. Basically, you put them on and whatever you might be doing, you might be a hoopster and then you're a great basketball player but not like you're not like in the NBA and you're like So it's like amazing. a monkey's paw but the monkey shoe It's the monkey shoe. Yeah, it's a shoe win. But you always realize you're your own God, man you're without a, you're the a shoes. shoe win. Because of course, cuz then you realize 
it was never the shoe at all. Right. Good. That's great. when they turn back into your crappy like loafers. Yeah, you're a great dancer. He, I was never even wearing. It's like quantum leap, but shoes. So these shoes leap and appear on your feet. Yep. And you're like, I, I'm, I'm a Lothario now. I'm quite a. And they're like, I could have been this the whole time. I'm thinking maybe it's got a touched by an angel riff. Yeah, so yeah. you have your angel. Since you said quantum leap, let's go Scott Bakula. You start off with your cold open of somebody who's struggling with something to the point where they're like giving up. They're going to drive off yeah. a fucking bridge or something. And then the stars talk to each other in the sky. And it's like, all right, we got another <laughs> one right. for you. Here we go. It's like, okay. And then, you know, it's a shoe win. He talks to you. He's like, what's the problem? He's like, hey, kid, uh, what size shoe are you? He's like, what? It's like, ten and a half. He's like, I got these for you. And then the shoes make <laughs> him a NASCAR a, driver. Is it, is it that a niche of a show? Like, it has to start in a shoe? Like, a, Is it like Gremlins where it's a mystic shoe shop oh, that maybe, appears yes. in, like, in different cities? So you have your – because then you can cash in on some married with children – like, oh, it's it's an old crotch of a shoe salesman. That's my favorite archetype currently. Uh, maybe it's like a Danny the Street situation where the That's shoe exactly store shows thinking. up wherever the issue is. Wherever it needs to be. Um, so is it a ghost? Uh, well, it's Satan. <laughs> That's the finale. You just find out it was the devil. I mean, ultimately, these people have to pay the price. They lose their feet. So that... That's what <laughs> that's what the devil does in his free time. Like he's evil ninety nine percent of the time, and then that one percent of the time, he's like, "I just want to do something good, but small." Oh yeah, so yeah, I guess so. Cause that's why they're patent leather red. Because <laughs> wouldn't that be the curse? You're like, "Oh, thank God, it was a blessing." You're like, "Nah, it was the devil." <laughs> ah, fuck it. <laughs> oh, I uh uh. All right, so that's shoe in. Uh, I know shoe you, in. you got yeah. you got something for us. Yeah, I got. Uh, how many did I? I got? Like four, three. Because oh, I still got some NBC us to break up our, yeah. our ideas too. And don't you worry. Well, you already know. So yeah, hit us, hit us. All right, so this one I got. Wrote a little jingle at the beginning. And then the, there's the little spiel there. Uh, so this is would would be a show. I I'm thinking maybe Fox will go like. It's got an edge. I can already feel. Yeah, it. yeah. It's called My Dad's Friend. <laughs> is he your uncle or just a drunk, y'all? No, he's your dad's friend. <laughs> How about a long lost brother or a male lover? No, he's your dad's friend. <laughs> Gotta be an ex-con? Or, or did he go to Nam? No, he's your dad's friend. The basement's his home. He's always alone. He's got no bed. He's off in the head. He sleeps on a bench. <laughs> and good with the wrench. He's my dad's friend. Played by Joe Namath. <laughs> exactly. When small-town Lothario inherits his kids from a dead lover, his life is turned upside down. Greg Taker must quickly become one of the givers, changing his bachelor pad into a launch pad for love and fun. But raising three kids on a barber's budget <laughs> isn't, isn't easy. So Greg turns to his best friend, 
a squatter that lives in his basement. While Greg is out working odd jobs to put food on the table, his kids are left with his odd with this oddball, and a hilarity odd ensues. What odd job? Yeah, whether it's the the nosy and property hungry neighbors, the crusts, mm-hmm. or the merciless maven Ma- Miss Rash from Child <laughs> Services, my dad's friend will be there. And good times ended bad. You can always count on my dad's friend. Uh, I love it. You also have to have a horny caseworker who's always yeah. like going and flirting a little too hard. And you're like, why isn't this guy, why didn't dad's friend just bag this chick? But he's got, he just because he looks like that, he's he got went to stuff numb, going, you know, got it going on. He's got, you know, he's got some ethics. That sounds like, um, that sounds like maybe either a forerunner or a spinoff to Gimme Shelter. Oh, I have a spinoff for Gimme Shelter. <laughs> it's not fleshed out. It, I figured it could be worked on. So, uh, Gimme Shelter, we talked about last time. I wish yeah. I'd fleshed it out more than a little. And we and thank God Bob Dylan sold the rights to a song, all of his music. Because then we can use it for it Gimme like Shelter. A, the Shah of Iran or something? <laughs> like, I don't know. He sold it for like three quarters of a billion dollars. But Men's Shelter, It's a, we're still working on a sitcom. Mm-hmm. Takes place in a battered yeah. men's shelter. It's called Gimme Shelter. Yeah. Maybe we can get the rights to Bob Dylan. Um, shelter from the Storm. Uh, and but maybe work the lyrics. Um, Isn't there a Rolling Stones song, Gimme Shelter? That's where the title comes. That's where we hit him. That's yeah. our name at coaching a basketball team. Gimme Shelter, right, yeah. Stone Song. Or we use a Bob Dylan. Uh, right, that's the curveball. Different lyrics. Let me see what we got. Let me see if I can remember the re- rhythm. Twas in another lifetime, one of wife and kids, when home life was guaranteed, or at least he thought it did. I came into some hard times, a battered man of form. <laughs> Come in, they said, we'll give you shelter from the storm. So it's got it's got a little bit of that dramedy. Yeah, it's a mensch. You, can you not picture? What was that sh- that seventies dirt of a sitcom? Like that grime, those olive greens, those topes, those browns. Yeah. It made you want to take a shower. I'm thinking of, and I'm they're talking aesthetics here. I'm thinking of mm. Archie Bunker. I'm oh, thinking totally. of yeah. mainly. I'm thinking of that cop show where they could never make the coffee right. Uh it was uh, Barney Miller. Perfect big ties, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Just. Oranges, browns, khakis, like a men's shelter sitcom in the 70s. I mean, the the 70s sitcoms were a men's shelter. They were metaphors. Oh, yes. Like, that's what it feels like. It was a little so (laughs) perfect. Well, and that that's what I thought with all of the like it all started with Gimme Shelter. But as I was like coming up with these other dumb pitches, I was like, these could all exist in the same rust belt dystopian universe of a town they could all be in the same world like it's not like sunshine and lollipops like it's got some dirt on it two places which is totally that barney miller and two places these shows could take place southern ohio or uh, southern ohio no you gotta get closer to cleveland northern ohio or western pennsylvania yeah oh so yeah we're talking Northeast Ohio, Northwest Pennsylvania, between Pittsburgh and Akron. Per deer hunter. 
It's a deer hunter. Yes. Oh, yeah, exactly. It's with a little comedy. Because you said, like you were saying that NBC. So here's a couple little hooks for the show show lineup. Like you said, the NBC, you got to see it. So it was like, JPN, not going to miss it. Mm Mm-hmm. Or JPN, not going to miss it, not missing out. Just preface that real quick. Uh, if I can, we did, uh, maybe I can find the video. I'm sure I can. Real quick, I'm sure we talked about it years ago on oh, the Oh, God, yes, those are all good, too. We did uh, a theme show, which was our 80s theme show. I believe the Horny 80s Women. Yes, you think? yes, it was. Yeah, And we yeah, did yeah. a sketch video and might have been interstitially through it or might have been one piece where it was the jpn which stood for jerk practice network and it was exactly what we're talking about a 80s fall lineup jpn and we did ridiculous shows one was chopper cops so that was was all for our intro oh yeah intro we each had our own show and it was starring there you go hans frywald casey mitch was justy it was no it was Greg, Anthony, me, you, and Mitch. So Chopper Cops was you. It was a yeah. uh, kind of a Miami Vice. No, it was a Night Rider style. Yeah, it's a Night Rider with helicopter. a talking helicopter. I was like uh, the nine o'clock like uh, yes, prime it was time gazebo so, heights, like a nine o two one o kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Greg was a mix of all. Basically, my dad's friend. It was. Uh, Who's in charge here? Who's the boss in charge here? It's, it's Greg. Greg. Yeah. The best one, I think. Oh, hands my down. My favorite, still to this day, is Mitch Rose playing a retired baseball umpire living with a stranded alien named Spink. <laughs> <laughs> Called Spink, I think. And the bit <laughs> the was shows. like. Oh, and Spink loved beans, right? And yeah. Mitch is looking through the cabinets. He's like, uh, where's all our food? Where's our beans? And then Spink pops up from underneath and just goes, <laughs> beep, boop, beep, beep, boop, boop. me eat the beans. And then he turns his hat backwards <laughs> and he goes, Spink, you're out of here. Which <laughs> could just as easily been in the 1978 oh, no. NBCS lineup. So that was a little little preface there. Well, that ties into my next pitch mm-hmm. a little. Because that, that bit inspired me. I came with the name first, and I was like, all right. So this show, this could go, like, this could compete with some uh, Evening Shade. Go against oh, Burt Reynolds. Gotcha. I put a head-to-head. Uh, this one's called Downs and Outs. Oh, oh. Uh, Jerry Downs and Carrie oh, Outs. Oh, okay. Or a real pair of opposite. One's loud, the other's quiet. One's neat, the other's a slob. One's an epi- a- uh, uh, <laughs> academic, and the other's a bore. One's a hard-nosed professional football ref, and the other's a litigious major league umpire. Oh. But one thing they do have in common is they're both into the mob. Big. After they both botch botched calls, they end up costing the five families millions, but making themselves each a small fortune. But dead men tell no tales or spend their cash. So this rough ref and uppity ump form an all-star team. Uh, can, but can this uh, rough ref and uppity uh, form an all-star team and come up with a Hall of Fame idea? They will. They're going to hide in plain sight 
in a retirement community as old people in a major metropolitan area without football or baseball. Say hello, Sacramento. Oh, perfect. So these unlucky friends must hide their identities and wealth as they decide what to do next. But things start to go wrong. Things start to go just a bit outside. When a kindly old woman takes a shine to our upright umpire, unfortunately, her son is none other than Giacomo Hardwood, the crook- a crooked ref in the NBA. Uh, the sinister shot clock caller doesn't like what he sees. Our boys will have to keep keep it close to the chest and in the paint to avoid a murder. Most foul ball, and hope their time on the lamb isn't a false start. Because our boys will really be downs and outs. I thought you were going somewhere else with downs. Oh, so no. I'm glad. I started. I had the idea and I went, not going to touch it. <laughs> Great. Uh, who are you going to cast in this bad boy? I don't know. I couldn't decide if I wanted to do sports, like a Joe Namath. Right. Or just go some classic character actors. Yeah. Peter Falk. Yeah. Yeah, too too, you go, too recognizable t- TV. Leslie that's Nielsen. Say, do you go bosom buddies and go young cuz they play old? They're into the mob. Uh, yeah, cuz well you got a real Felix and Oscar opportunity. It's basically yeah. what it is. It's just yeah. It's uh <laughs> it's a couple Golden Girls and Bosom Buddies in one show. Yeah, it all rolls in together. So and you get a sports cameo whenever you want. Sydney Poitier. <laughs> Sidney Poitier and I want to say you want to go against type and make him the ref yeah yeah the slobby one absolutely and I'm thinking um, Tony Curtis oh yeah because then you get the uh, call back to him and Jack Lemon doing the uh, oh god uh, yeah what's that movie I forget the uh, movie where, some, with Marilyn some Monroe some like it hot some like it some hot, like it hot amazing yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I go Tony Curtis, yeah. Can't go wrong. This could be a feature. Tony Curtis, uh, if you haven't watched it, oh, it's, I'm not going to do anybody justice because I can't think of it. Uh, he made a lot of poor, poor B-movie choices later in life. I know Johnny's out there listening right now, tearing up because we watched a couple of Tony Curtis features. Like sci-fi, chicanery Ooh, he went that way but he, nice. he like you could tell they're like we got him for three hours like he's our guy we got tony curtis yeah. that's all we got this is costing us 70 grand we spent 65 grand on tony curtis we got him for an afternoon and he's not he's going to refuse to put any effort in other than repeat his line so he's like hey space guy <laughs> get in line and it's just like whoa uh, Tony Curtis could be good. Tony Curtis could be good. Did you watch? There was a Mitch got it when we were because uh, Mitch is a huge Robert Burton or Richard oh, Burton yes, fan. He is. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and there's this amazing movie, and I believe it is O.J. Simpson's first film role. And it's this movie where Richard Burton plays like a college professor okay. that comes to a small town in the south. And O.J. Simpson is his standout student and uh, as a student and football player, uh, and then is murdered by the KKK. So Richard Burton spends the rest of the movie fighting the Ku Klux Klan. And Richard Burton has played Mark Antony, oh, famous yeah. actor, 
And there's scenes of him doing kung fu. Yes, yes. And the best part is there's this hot, steamy love scene. And which is just like a very of drunk. Of him Richard and a clan Burton. member? For, yes. Him very drunk flirting with this woman. They fade to black. The next morning, it's the morning after, someone comes to visit. He sits up in bed like Frankenstein with the 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 sheet up to his neck, fully dressed, and just walks out of the bed. Shirt buttoned, pants on, belt, shoes. Oh, I love, I love. Uh, somebody once told me um, a comedian who, who makes um, uh, self-aware makes bad movies. And mm-hmm. he just said, hey, you can make a career in this business as long as you get a C-lister and a hundred grand. So not, I was like, oh, but sure. in my head, I think I've talked to you about this. I'm like, in my idealistic view, mm-hmm. I was like, then why are you in the business? You know what I mean? Like you can, sure, you can, course. you can skate by in a lot of stuff. You know what I mean? Sure, of course. Yeah. And anything like, but a lot of people try really hard to get into the entertainment business. Like, why are you playing it? Like, uh, like you're sitting like at you're a getting, blackjack table. Right. Like you're pulling one over. Right. What does that like do if you're for not you? going to make something that could get you to the next step then was it worth the hundred grand and everybody's time maybe the crew it's good for the crew because you can get like that's how james cameron started oh yeah he worked I, on the crew for corman sure. like i'm just saying that guy yeah is where you're gonna go that's interesting because that is very i guess because this person was specifically comedy i took offense to it but then yeah. as soon as you said corman like I have the utmost respect for Corman, and that's his model. Like that's uh, it's true. Yeah. It, it later became his model. It just started off. He just said, "If you give me money, you think you? Yeah. I I want to. I think that's his model because he, early films of his, he's got like uh, Jack Nicholson in it, and uh, or like uh, Death Race two thousand is yes. like Stallone, right? David Carradine, but they like they're legitimate people. Yeah, but I don't think Stallone was at the time. Carradine might have been that. Carradine like, was when yeah. I'm thinking of Jack Nicholson. Like he wasn't Jack Nicholson then. Like he just got. He's just a hungry actor yeah. that managed to get in. You know, apparently he was a real wheeler and dealer behind the scenes. So you knew yeah. Jack. You're like Jack's a good dude. We should. He's a good hang. Let's put it that way. So he's. Oh like, yeah, because didn't we? Did we watch it together? The um, monkeys movie, Hair. No. What's it called? Head. No, it's called Head. Like the band? The Monkees? So that the fake TV Beatles rip off the Monkees. Yeah. Like totally created, if for anyone who doesn't know who the Monkees are, they were like a boy band. Yeah. Created to compete with the Beatles uh, by Hollywood and rec- the record companies. They had their own TV show. I watched it all the time on like Nick at Night. Hilarious. It's a hilarious, goofy ass show. But they became super successful. And all the guys in the band were like, we want to actually do something and not just be characters. Uh, And they had enough popularity and clout. They did a movie called Head. Okay. It's a psychedelic movie, like sketchy movie, directed and written by Jack Nicholson. Uh, Dennis Hopper's in it. It is crazy. It is terrible. Right. Right. Because it is just 
if you did it with a wink in the nod, it would be funny because it's just bad psychedelic imagery. Not particularly funny. Not particularly anything, really. I wonder if that was... See, that was that pre... Like, or was that pre or post Easy Rider? Because that's Dennis Hopper and Jack Nicholson. It was probably around the same time. And probably after, if not the same time. Because there's like scenes in the movie that feel very Curb Your Enthusiasm-ish. Okay. It's like where the camera will just pull out of a a bit and follow them and then they'll go to like a fake cantina type place on the lot and jack nicholson's there hanging out with dennis hopper and they're having like a fake argument and then the monkeys come in so it has very like comedia del arte weird avant-garde things going on so it it's interesting in that regard but it is not funny at all right they miss the mark yeah but yeah i guess yeah, there's I, 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 nothing's black or white, so there's uh, it's all shades of gray because I felt like I was painting this guy in such a bad light. But he's also a dick. He's a dish. He's a dick. He's a dish yeah. bag. Um, he didn't pitch it to you like, hey, I'm going to create an ecosystem where people can no. apply their trade and get ahead. No, he was like, I just want to make money and I don't want to have a real job ever. Yeah, he was just putting quarters in a slot machine. In a rigged slot machine to, to eke out whatever he was fucking eking out. Casey... Let me, do you recall a television show called W period E period B period web? I don't, but I remember one person that was in it. So web is whoever pitched this show. It's on the 1978 NBC us lineup. You weren't thinking I was talking about Webster, were you? Oh, no, no. I know what you're talking <laughs> <Okay>. about. Okay. <laughs> it's easy. So I I saw this. I was like, web? What? I was like, this is way too pre-internet web. This yeah. fucking show, whoever was pitching this thought they were the smartest, Head. most brilliant guys that ever hit Hollywood because it's a show about network television programmers and like yeah. the drama that comes from that big old famous classic board about what just what we talk about what shows are going in what slots and who's in charge of this and intrigue and they pitched mm-hmm. that and NBC picked it up because they're like NBC's doing a show about NBC yeah yeah we're giving it to you you're gonna see all the dirty laundry every dirty detail nothing is off limits it was very had a very modern like it seemed like a modern it didn't look very good because no. it's you know, like it has this. It falls into the same trappings of like Miami Vice shit or like Magnum PI. Like everything was too far. It wasn't just like because nobody actually wants. Nobody actually gives a shit, like, right? Like oh. about TV programmers. But it's an interesting idea to like. Oh, let's set a drama here because the there's so much be drama. Yeah, I could just picture the light bulb going off over that junior executive's head, like. Oh, I got it. Somebody came in, or, or pre-light bulb, somebody came in, they're like, Tony, Sherry's going over your head. She's trying to put Grandpa Goes to Washington Thursday night, which goes, which which is definitely the spot of uh, the con- centennial. <laughs> <laughs> and the Cassandra Crossing is supposed to air in three weeks. What are we going to do? He's like, 
we got we got to get in touch with Gerald and say Sherry. And he's like, this is the drama. Ron, guys. This, is this is the drama. They were asking us. I didn't know we were going to pitch for a drama. I know now. Right. It's and a web of intrigue. I got Clint Howard. And they went, we got a fucking show. Is Clint Howard in it? He's in it. Yeah. Oh, he's I like that. right at the beginning when they're just like setting up what's going on and they show all these different phone calls to people and they're like sweating and biting the bullet. And then the longest shot is like a slow pan on into and I was like, is that Clint Howard? And he's got he, he's youngish and his hair is all big and crazy. <laughs> so he I feel like just because it's Clint Howard, he's probably the, the genius programmer of the sure, show. Of course, yeah. Because he just looks like he's the genius, whatever you need him to be. The maestro, like the tortured, like, oh, there's days. Well, I mean, he does play a mean, like, I'll always associate him with uh, Apollo 13. He does play a good yeah. tortured. Um, tortured nerd. Tortured nerd, which is also on, on the, the JPPN <laughs> lineup. Tortured nerd. <laughs> God, Webb. So I was thinking, um, what do you think about this title? I don't have much, but it's called yeah. Jack in the Habit. Retired, Jack, I love retired the title. priest. Jack in the Habit. Retired, retired priest. Mm-hmm. Jack. Kirk. All right. <laughs> retired priest. Jack Kirk. Something happens. I want to say he witnesses a murder, but I think that right. might be too. Well, anything can be too close because I think isn't um, Sister Act. She sees a murder and she becomes. She a does. Well, yep. Jack is a retired priest, but he's got to become a nun. So there's a bosom <laughs> buddy situation too. Oh and yeah. And so not you only go... is he pretending to be a nun or pretending, because a nun is a classic disguise. But this is yeah, double layer, because yeah. got to be mm-hmm. a woman first. He's Jack in the Habit. Yeah. Because you can go play a habit as in the nun garb. Yes. Or habit as in, like, a bad habit. Like, what if he's a priest that becomes a psychologist? Oh, he's a priest that goes to night school. Well, why don't we put it all together? He's Jack in the habit, but he's been put in the habit because... He's a habitual gambler. (laughs) And then they got to like, he's always like getting like kind of getting the pull. And that's, that's religion too, right? Religion versus uh, material wealth and hit. Oh, cause you can lean. Yeah. He counts cards. He should be. Yeah. He's a, he's a gambling addict. And that kind of goes back into the mob. Play then the money lending. You get into all that. Hmm. That's Jack in the He's habit. stealing a couple bucks out of the old collection plate. Buy some scratchers. Really, I think I think there's something there. I I gotta so. I know we're 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 talking '80s sitcoms. I'm we're, I'm getting into reboot. Last week we talked about, um, Perfect Strangers, bringing it back. Mm-hmm. He's on the island of Mepos. He becomes yep. a Mepos oh, yeah. king. Uh, mm-hmm. It's war torn. Um, I was thinking maybe it'd be called Perfect, Perfectly Strange Times. But then I was also thinking, I like Perfectly Strange. you're bringing back TJIF. You can bring back Family Matters. It's called a matter of, only a matter of time. 
It's a Family Matters reboot. Steve mm. Urkel had that yeah. weird Urkel machine where he could oh, create right. things. <laughs> Bless you. Steve Urkel makes himself a boyfriend that looks just like himself. <laughs> so you get a little bit of that, you know, diverse flavor. So it's the two Urkels, and then they adopt. Well, maybe they make kids in there, too. So they're not like allowed to adopt Urkels. kids, so you have baby Urkels, Because <laughs> all anybody It's wanted... not because he's gay. It's because it's a clone. Clones are not allowed to adopt. <laughs> yes. Yes. Because uh, all anybody spicy, wanted just... in Family Matters was Urkel anyway. So just give oh, it. Yeah. Give it all. Give them all. Let's Urkel. give them what I'm gonna. For, it's like Shove seven. It down their fucking throat. You want this so fucking bad? All you're getting is Urkels. It's a show of Urkels. You're getting little baby Urkel baby puppets voiced by Julia White. All of them, and they're gonna be the Jim Henson studio. So it's really annoying. Like the dinosaurs, baby. It's just Urkel babies. Two Urkels. And you push people's boundaries, right? Because the two mm-hmm. Urkels are lovers. And you're like, yeah, of course. Yes. I'm obviously, you know, I'm not uh, discriminatory I'm towards I'm people's sexual to preference myself. or everything. But then you always got to be like, but what are they like brothers? Or like, is it? Because <laughs> it's him. It's just him. I love because it it's just, it's unsettling because you're like aggressively kissing yourself and everybody's like, he's just kissing him fucking self. Is that his He's twin? such a fucking ego. Like he just loves himself so much. He couldn't just find another man or a woman. He's got like, no, it has to be myself. It'll be the Only first myself can play you. Clone, same sex clone kiss. <laughs> same sex clone kiss. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh, that's going straight to streaming. It's only a matter of time. YouTube TV. Only a matter of time. It's all Urkels. Could work. I mean, I think you probably have a capital riot on your hands because people want nostalgia, but don't you dare give it to spit em. on its Let's grave. fucking give it to them. That'll you be the nostalgia, other... I got your nostalgia. That'll spit be the other grave. thing. It'll start... It'll start with them burying his last boyfriend. <laughs> Which is an Urkel. So in the backyard, anytime they're having a, like a barbecue in the backyard, there's like a, a, t- a headstone that says Steve Urkel on it too. Oh, that's that's so good because he's that. He's not even going to bury the clone of himself in a fucking graveyard. He's got to bury it in his own backyard so he can stare at it all the time. God, I hate this guy. Take, take an Urkel down. Um, so you had you had some more, right? I got one more. You want to hit? Well, wait, wait, because I don't have much. So maybe we want to end with an original. I have a title written down. It, it's not rocket mm-hmm. science. I don't know where to go with that. But I think Clint Howard might be involved. Um, real. My last thing. Ooh, it the, could be a, a silly go. I'm going. I can see it's not rocket science. You got you go Hogan's Hero Z. Uh-huh. We got our Operation Paperclip Nazis. It's all the Nazis that worked for NASA. Got word von Braun. That's so fucking crazy. That's the, I was running this through my head, and that's exactly what I was thinking about. Make, <laughs> and I swear to God, because I was like, how, I still to this day, and I'm not um, alone in this. Like, how the fuck did they pull off a primetime sitcom in a concentration camp, prisoner of war camp in Nazi Germany? Yeah. It's wild. But you could, I mean, all. All NASA was was a Nazi prisoner camp. 
just have a crappy town in Florida. They all live there. Instead of the Nazi guards, you got the, hey, what are you doing over here? Where are these Nazis going? I saw nothing. Get back in your caves. <laughs> caves. <laughs> the famous Floridian cave, the Nazi caves of Florida. So they lock them in. They can't let them escape. And they're, you know, Nazi hunters are constantly coming and looking for them. They're like, oh, that's I the best. Them. What are you talking about? Nah, that ain't a rocket. You're wrong. It's Disneyland. <laughs> just the U.S. government trying to hide the Nazi scientists from everyone. Which is basically what they did. Uh, um, so, re- uh, sorry, but real quick. There was a show, and I just can't get it out of my... I, I, we'd be remiss to talk about it. I believe it's called The Centennial. Correct? Yes, based on a book I've never heard of. It's probably uh, next to someone's toilet somewhere. Is Seems it a like movie a dad or toilet a show? Book. It was a, I think it was a miniseries or a, oh. a TV movie. Okay, because I was like, what? And that makes more sense if it's based on a book. Because I was like, how? It's about a French you... trapper who like, or about a two of them, I think. Or it's about a congressman who goes into the so... woods to like make peace with native tribes so to set it up like it goes in like the closer of this perform this this show this lineup is uh, this is this is the babe ruth of the lineup here this is the four spot this is gonna crush they got the right based on a book called centennial i think probably they were hoping not to be spicy they're like roots killed it let's just do something about Old white people. So they got a show called Centennial. Mm-hmm. It has a list, and as we were speaking, of old Tony Curtis, <laughs> old Richard <laughs> Burton. This had Raymond Burr in it. Yes. I had to rewind it because I thought it was Orson Welles. Yeah. So it sure. shows like a guys on horseback going down like a, a river, and it sets you in based on the you know multi million dollar selling book. NBC's proud to present Centennial. And they don't make a trailer. They're just like, here's a piece of the movie. And you have an extremely, extremely drunk Raymond Burr. And I will say this about the whole piece. The spirit gummiest, crappy, beardiest. It looks like a brush, a broom. They just tack brooms to these guys' faces. And he is as bronze as a triple jump Burr's medal. It is beautiful. (laughs) So they show a scene from the movie, and it's drunk Raymond Burr in what I assume is like a frontier, like, uh, trading post. Yeah. And he's just talking, like, so you made it to the frontier. It's hard out here. Yeah. <laughs> just, he's just, just yammering <laughs> on about yeah. just this innocuous frontier information. It has been really rainy lately. You're going to need a blanket. Raymond Burr. So was isn't the centennial wasn't it in or that's the bicentennial wasn't that in 1978 76 wasn't it that was 17 yeah bicentennial would have uh, been 76 they kicked me right out of that lineup uh <laughs> well it's like I was you like, said Hunch, Trapper it's the John? most confusing cuz it has like two french trappers and like you said a senator and it goes between them, 
And then all of a sudden there is a, a young Native American woman. Yes. Who's taken as a bride. And this is all in this trailer. Then the one guy you've been watching the most in the trailer, you see him get shot in the back. Mm-hmm. So then the bronzy guy, like in a very porny, like hazy shot, is just sits next to it. He's like, Jean, Jean-Pierre is gone. You'll come with me now. And she's crying and then. He's doing that like fake cry that has that like grease so it holds so they can oh, yeah. do like a zoom on it. Oh man. It is gobbledygook. I have no clue what it's about. Well, I, bad French accents, bad beards. All, it's so all amazing. across the board. But real quick, if I can tell you this TV movie, it's called The Cassandra Crossing. It is a speedy bullet train that terrorists have taken over. And all they've done is locked the doors so nobody can get off this steaming bullet train. And they're driving it straight to an abandoned concentration camp. And before they get there, they have to make the Cassandra Crossing, which is, I think, rigged with C4? Sounds about right. See, this was the last TV movie. They're like, the Cassandra Crossing. I was like, oh, what is this? They're like, they're trapped on the train. And then I was like, oh, how are they trapped on the train? They're like, yeah. they've locked the it's doors fast. and sealed them tight. <laughs> and I doors. think they're running yeah, out of oxygen. And I was like, oh, where's the, <laughs> where are they going? And who is Cassandra Crossing? They're like, they're going to Cassandra Crossing. Because they're heading to Auschwitz. <laughs> I was like, what is going on here? Um, yeah. That was the post credits on this. They're like, ooh, if Centennial didn't get you, maybe this bullet train? Gas attack? Auschwitz? Bullet train to Auschwitz. Anyways, that <laughs> Just was call the, it that. That would be... That's That will be the remake. If And there you go. If I had it, if I had it in me, and I had Sheldon Adelson money, if he left me all of his money, sold the sands, and I said, I'm starting a TV network, I'm going to remake the 1978 NBCS lineup. Obviously, For I'll revamp Peacock. it. I'll recast it. I got all the money in the world to spend. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do some renames. Might not be the Waverly Wonders, but it'll be, you know, like the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, <laughs> it, it might not be the Cassandra Crossing. It'll be Bullet Train to Auschwitz. To Auschwitz. That's like a punk band. That's like a death metal album. <laughs> yeah. That's a Dead Kennedys album. Let's be honest. <laughs> uh, all right. I've, I've, I've probably mixed up people's scrambled people's brains enough with this but you got you got one hot I one got to take us, one take more. us home uh this one is called french lick mm-hmm. <laughs> somewhere east of indianapolis between there and the ohio border you'll find the quaint farm town of west french the hamlet of west french indiana isn't known for much other than its failing military academy and the town's black sheep Rhett breves Lead singer of the much maligned, face paint clad, satanic rock group, Lick. I knew it. Yep. <laughs> After years of success, Rhett's lost weekend finally comes to an end when the IRS comes knocking. Putting his gold records up as collateral, Rhett packs his face paint, battle axe base, and his trademark long fingers <laughs> and heads home. Where he finds that his crotchety stepdad will have none of his wild ways. Dean of the Military Academy, Marshal Dean Dean. Sadly, Dean Dean 
may not have much time to get this party animal housebroken because the academy is about to close and take the town with it. So Rhett decides to try try a little community disservice and bring his bring a little hellfire to this cold turkey of a town. Rhett brings uh, his brand of raw and order to this ailing academy. It's jack boots and dyed roots, boot camps and vert ramps. And all at full speed metal jacket. As these cadets <laughs> learn war, war might be hell, but hell is cool in French lick. I, my favorite part of that, long fingers. Because you can have a lot of cuts where his, his <laughs> yeah, know, stepdad's like, like giving him the what for and he just gives him a shh, long finger right on his lip. Long, long Quiet finger. Down. And then you get the, the, a double entendre of like, you know, the Zeva guys with long fingers, don't you? <laughs> oh, yeah. Because it's like, you know, you have guest star Gene Simmons on and he's doing mm-hmm. his gross tongue thing. And then you got. French legs and doing his long fingers <laughs> on the stage. <laughs> and just give a just give a normal guy size finger. Just give him a little extra digit. Just unsettling a, enough to be long. Yeah, that's too much. Long fingernails. I like it. French just lick. kicking that bass like a spider. <laughs> he is a spider. I just love the cheesy. I was like, ah, that's all I want to see. It's just like a guy in crazy Gene Simmons kiss makeup. He's also wearing like a military outfit. Just the just the stupid eighties dichotomy of imagery. Yeah, it's again, it's it's fish out of water. He's he's Indiana's one, the perfect place for it. Two, yeah. the military aspect is also perfect because it'll be like they'll do an inspection, right? And he's had a hard night of rocking with the face carousing, paint, <laughs> and, and the guy goes like, like straighten up he's doing the inspection and he's adjusting his collar and then he goes in the guy's collar and he's got a little white makeup on he's like what is this <laughs> c4 what sir is... i just thought of a really dumb gag because i was like he's always got to have crazy face paint on or makeup big hair classic thing of course he's at the school teaching them music who knows i right. just kept it vague because that's the best part and then i was like here's the best sitcom gag you just you know as uh, Major Dean Dean comes in to wake all the cadets up. He's got to wake up old Reeves. Reeves, get up, Reeves. Stop sleeping. Or he does bed check and he sees him and it's just a, the face paint, face painted, like head butted onto a pillow. Oh, yeah. Like that's how he sneaks out at night. That's why you like face paint, kids. Get you out just of it every dumb. time. Just dumb. Or like, yeah, they get into a scrape. Like, again, like a spy is coming into. Is it a, is it, it's a military school, right? So, yeah. you know, spies have infiltrated or terrorists have infiltrated. And he's like, that's why you got fate. So he's got grease, right? And he greases up like a tennis racket or whatever. And it looks like a machine gun. <laughs> gets him out of a pinch, right? He uses oh, his, yeah. like, you know, his he's got the belt with the handcuffs on. Like, it always comes in oh, handy, yeah. his hard metal ways. This is my Waverly Wonders. I just had to give it a little extra 80 sauce, a little extra mustard. Reeves! I'm easy. Be real. Fingers always coming from out from under doors. That'll be, and then when they have when that shows a hit and they have the uh, summer of 3D, those long fingers will be coming at you. <laughs> oh, I even had like I just had a bunch of dumb notes, and I was like, well, then this this could be a legacy show because you gotta have your Urkel character 
And his boyfriend. Who can do a couple spinoffs. And his boyfriend, of course. Because you can have... It would be one of the military kids who doesn't cotton to old Rhett, Reeb, Rhett Breves' rock and roll ways. His name would be Brock mm-hmm. something. But his spinoff show could be Punk Brock. Nice. After he gets out of the military school, Punk Brock. And then Alternative Brock after he's out of college and like living it up in the city. And then Pass the Brock when he's a basketball coach. <laughs> Brock Live. Brock Live, yes. <laughs> Brock, uh, Brock to the future. All right. <laughs> Played by Brock Lesnar, of course. Of course, yes. Oh, Webster, proud, proud of South Dakota. Pride of South Dakota. I would, I would again. I every one of these shows we talked about, I wouldn't hesitate to cast professional wrestlers. Oh, not yeah. Amazing. Of course, they, I, if if it was me, they'd all have at least one. Because they give it to you. They give. Give it me to shelter. You. You got like you got murderers. You get your pick. Fit Finley, every shape and size of wrestler. Oh, get I'll, I just tugboat in there. You Earthquake. Brett the Hitman Hart is oh my the God, lead. So perfect. Just greasy shelter. Greasy oh, Canadian down on his luck. We'll just move this show up north. Why not Toronto? Winnipeg. <laughs> I'm in shelter in Winnipeg. It's so oh, good. It's, it's perfect. It's you get, you get a little northern exposure there too. Then there you go. Then you fold in your American. Then you get your fish out of water. Like, what's an American doing in our Canadian men's shelter? Taking our resources. I'm a disgraced congressman. <laughs> none. None of his plugs work. Oh God, that's so perfect. Like, because you always hear you never you never know who's in the men's shelter and the wise. You know, the oldest man in the shelter always tells you, like, you're like, of, of, of course you're going to find out one of them is a disgraced yeah. congressman. It's a given. It's a given. I think we got a perfect Thursday night lineup. Got I got to move some of the I got to move some of the time slots around. Yeah. But yeah. I think we got a pitch. Totally. I, th- I think you and I could set the record. You know, they're like, we, we wheel and deal Jack Nicholson style under the table, get our asses into like junior executive position. I think you and I set a record for making a um, viable studio go bankrupt in Just the shortest it. amount of time. The Just Titanic, Titanic three. After, after CBS has clawed its way out of the cellar, kick it to us, baby. Bullet train to Auschwitz? Bullet train to Auschwitz on CBS at like 8 o'clock. Is that Steve Urkel kissing his brother? Was that even on our network? How much did we pay for him? We had to pay him double. We paid a lot. Twice. (laughs) They made us pay him for the headstone that just has his name on it. Yeah, even when he's not in the episode, we gotta pay him. His headstone. (laughs) All right, well, that's well. Uh, then here's the your spring tag. Spring has sprung a screw loose with this irreverent JPN spring lineup. April shower yourself off and dive into some laughs. Gritty. Yep, you will want to take a shower after that lineup. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. A cold shower outside at the men's shelter. <laughs> <laughs> with the hose has brought the hitman heart hoses you off. Yeah, I was gonna say like, yeah, you don't just. 
a men's shelter, you don't just get to take a shower. No. You have to hope you pull a ticket and it's an odd number on an odd day. Yeah, Otherwise, it's like the opening scene of Rambo. They just de-louse you and hit you with the hose. Exactly. You just, uh, um, they just fill an old bladder up. <laughs> poke some holes in it. <laughs> it's a tepid, tepid dripping out of an old, big old garbage sack. Jerk practice, jerk practice, sketch boys love to reminisce, yeah! This fall, ABC brings you the stars on Thursday nights. Listen, Rico, you don't want to do this. You don't know nothing about nothing! You got options, Rico. You ready to do this? This is my partner, Whirly. It's a helicopter. Let's fly, Whirly! Chapter Cops, where justice gets high. Where are those beans my mother sent me? Beep, boop, beep. Did someone say beans? Stink? Oh. Once we get that space rocket fixed, you're out of here! Beep, boop, beep me up. had this to say it's on television from the producers of legacy and 907897 comes Casey Boyce can you keep a secret Son. And holy smokes, it's American folk. Ridiculous prices? This table's filthy, uneven. Who's the boss? In charge here, it's Greg! Our new superstars. Great movie nights. Star studded specials. And old favorites all on NBC's new fall season. NBC. Now, NBC, our new series. Jack Albertson in Grandpa Goes to Washington. Sleep through your enamel hardware courses, then your history of house plans and all the other garbage they teach you here. And come back tomorrow. Maybe you'll learn something, which will be a little unusual for this George. Dean Zimmer wants to see you. Now what I do? You celebrated a birthday? That's what you did. The mandatory retirement age is 65. So what happens to 65? Well, you're 66, you're retired. Governor Bonks is now considered a virtual shoe-in candidate as our next senator. You blame Governor Bonks for the garbage strike? I blame Governor Bonks for everything. Actually, your reason for being in the city today, sir, is to resell to your brother-in-law, the well-known used car dealer, 
Last year's government limousines, which you purchased on Tuesday at a closed auction, were one dollar apiece. He just said that Bonds was selling state property to his brother-in-law. How does a college professor know something that we don't? Oh, it's easy. He has friends in low places. You know, I think we got Governor Bonds. <laughs> Kelly's got him. We don't. We got him if we got Kelly. How would you like to be a United States senator? And what's the inducement? $57,000 per annum. Why do I sign? You got my vote. And anything else you may want. Our next senator is going to be Joseph Josephus Kelly. There'll be a family waiting for you in Washington, won't there? Grandchildren, a daughter-in-law, and a son. Yes. Who has a high post with the Joint Chiefs of Staff, I understand. That's true. What does he do? Well, he works in the Pentagon, so obviously he doesn't do anything. Excuse me. Uh, for Senator Kelly, Mr. President. Yes, well, good luck. Thank you, sir. You know, I think I'm going to like it here. Oh, uh... How much does he make? Watch out, Washington. Grandpa's on his way. Sword of Justice. This is Jack Cole. He was rich. He had everything. Until... Can you explain these checks totaling more than $2 million? Is that your signature? I believe it's mine. And you just signed them blindly? I never questioned my father's judgment. Guilty of 25 counts of violating the federal penal code. Sentence to be five consecutive years in Lewiston Federal Penitentiary. The frame-up puts Jack in prison and his mother into her grave. I believing I stole that money from my father. Jack, there's a whole level of crime going on in this country. The few people realize it's way above the law, almost impossible to deal with. Somehow they do things, make them look right. While underneath, it's just as criminal as... Look, I don't need you to tell me what it's like underneath. You know how rotten the top can look until you've seen it from the bottom. In prison. Jack makes an important decision. They say this place is a college. Well, I want to go to school. So you want to know about burglar laws, huh? You never know when precision acrobatics will come in handy. So you want to know about second story work, huh? Yeah. And any lock can be picked if you got the right tools and the right touch. Back on the outside, Jack begins his battle against criminals beyond the law. Using every trick of the trade he learned so well at his crime school. While he seems to be a playboy interested in nothing but pleasure and romance, Jack Cole is a crusader against crime. He's about to close in. He leaves his calling card. Anyone who gets it knows his number is up. Sword of Justice. Bad news for criminals. Great news for viewers. The Waverly Wonders.
Joe Namath stars in the Waverly Wonders as a new teacher coach whose principal problem is his principal. Come on, Linda. Perhaps for professional reasons, you ought to call me Ms. Harris. All right, Mr. Casey? Casey? Just plain Casey? I'm easy. I'll bet you are. <laughs> Casey winds up teaching more than history. He's also teaching communication. I started out by talking to my dog. You know, sit spot. Roll over spot. You know, simple things. Well, that wasn't too hard, so I started talking to people. But Joe's on his own turf when he coaches the Waverly Wonders. And the wonder is how they play basketball at all. I'm here to try out for the team. Perfect. <laughs> I can't say I'm sorry to see you go, Mr. Casey, but you could at least have the courtesy to give me time to find a replacement. You could replace him with a monkey. <laughs> He's right. Let him teach history. <laughs> Look, I'm not quitting anything. I just happen to be the kind of guy that can tell when something's not going to work out. And this is not going to work out. Bull. What? <laughs> yeah. I said bull. You want to know something? You're just a lot of talk. You go up there and you make me stand up in front of class. And then you yell at me in practice and you tell us all that stuff about your dog. Well, you know, I think you're lying. I bet you don't even have a dog. <laughs> and I don't think you even saw Benji. Now, Casey's got a score of his own to settle. So I'm staying. I'll see you around, pinch face. And you be sure to come around and see Joe in the Waverly Wonders. Lifeline, a real-life drama. Dr. Judson Graves Randolph, surgeon-in-chief at Children's Hospital National Medical Center in Washington, D.C., is going to work. But unlike the rest of us, his skills and the decisions he makes will be a matter of life and death. This is Lifeline. The doctor and his patients are real. The events are all true. The Vargas infant was born five hours ago with a swallowing deficiency. Surgery is necessary. Got a left arch. So we make a standard incision on the right side. Try to find that pouch if we can. Well, why don't you look at it and see what you can do. And uh, I'll be down there in a little bit. And we'll just see what's uh, real. We just, just can't wait till 6.30. for Dr. Randolph to find time away from the strain of his profession and relax with his family. West Virginia, Mountain Mama, take me home. Free. And play cards with his friends. And what do we need? Anything. But Dr. Randolph knows he plays with the highest stakes, human life. And he is brought back to a different kind of reality when the Vargas infant takes a turn for the worse. Let's go see his x-ray. We clearly, you got to do something or you got a dead baby, Judd. It's going to be fluid. i got to get that stuff out of there. For your baby, it's 
It's either 100% or no percent, and percentages don't mean very much, do they? Another operation for the Vargas infant. Why don't you get a, a needle on a 20cc syringe? And another long night for Dr. Randolph. Ms. Vargas. Hi, it's Dr. Randolph. I want to give you some news about your little baby boy. Things are a lot better by having got that fluid out of his lung. And I'm very encouraged. I want you to start looking on the bright side, because I think it's going to be all right. So glad to have that thing out of his throat. And so am I. That's great. I'm really this so Lifeline, a true life and death drama. Each week, another doctor, another hospital, another life on the line. It's new, it's special. Dick Clark Live Wednesday. My new show is something special. It will present everyone you want to know about, see, and applaud. As a matter of fact, we've taken some of the elements of the uh, successful Dick Clark's good old days, which, how to say, did uh, phenomenally well against the first game of the World Series. Incorporated those moments into a variety show that's gone short, pacey, and live. It crosses the generation, spans all of the performing arts. Headliners, fad fakers, the greatest and the latest, the concerts, reunions, spectacles, stunts. Whether it's uh, a flash from the past or a glimpse of tomorrow, if it interests you, then we've got it. There's nostalgia with a twist, updates on celebrities out of the headlines. What are they doing? Where are they now? That sort of thing. But the key is entertainment. Presented in the tempo of the day, the latest word in sights, sounds, and stars. It's Dick Clark, live, Wednesday. The Eddie Capra Mysteries. This is Eddie Capra. He solves murders. His staff is small, devoted, and learning how he works. Maybe it's all wrong. But I'll bet a cheeseburger the lunch that Mr. Pendragon's name used to be Charles Arthur King. You've got to be kidding me. Check all the colleges and universities and find out which one had a Charles Arthur King enrolled in a course in journalism probably 1957-58. Wait a minute, where'd you get all that? Book's called Advanced Journalistic Technique. It's a basic text, and since most of the pages have passages underlined, Charlie was probably a student. Well, yeah, but... I check out alumni records and find out where he went after graduation. Okay? Any questions? His methods are 100% Capra and full of surprises. I fail to see how you could drive in here through locked iron gates. Look this. Got a whole bag full of these things. Only took me a couple of minutes to pick out the right one. Solving murders, even for Capra, can be a dangerous business. Capra's best weapon is his brain. I just figured out who killed Charles Pendragon. Pendragon was stabbed to death. No, he wasn't, Mr. Girling. He was shot. What? Think about it. It's 3 o'clock in the morning, pitch dark. The bullet goes clear through Pendragon's body 
farmlands. Where? Anywhere. I know where to find it. Not in the dark. Now, the killer's not going to hang around till morning, because by then, the police will be here. And what do you know? They find it. Ballistics takes one look at that slug, and that's Jen. They've got the killer. Mr. Capper, I don't understand. The killer had to make sure nobody knew Charlie had been shot. That's why the robe and the PJs were taken, because they were covered with powder burns. And that's why the killer went to the sword, pulled it out of the stone, crossed to the body, and with five or six strokes, removed all traces of a bullet hole. A little messy, but it did the job. There's just one thing. How did I get it out of the stone? Well, you see, it's done with magnets. Electromagnets and a handprint. He had it rigged so no one else could get that sword out. I brought in a work crew, substituted my handprint for Pendragon's, and... Call Lacey. Tell her you two guys want to taste their terrific lasagna around 8 o'clock tonight. I'll explain the whole thing. Capra, he'll solve all your problems. Webb. This is Jack Kiley. I'm chief of programming for Trans-American Broadcasting. This meeting's got him scared. And I got a set of research numbers that can mean Kylie's job. Gus, what's so important about this meeting? It's about, uh, television. <laughs> isn't, isn't that always what it's all about? These are the people who pick the shows, plan the schedules. They work for a TV network, a web, and sometimes they get tangled up in it. Pamela Bellwood stars as Ellen Cunningham on her way to the top. Look, kid, you obviously don't understand. Don't call me kid. I'm 29 years old. I've been in television for almost 10 years. I've done film documentaries, specials, and game shows. And for the past year, I've run daytime programming for this network. I think what we ought to do is just cut it up. You know, razzle-dazzle it, turn it into a three-ring circus, zap from one period to another. Dump most of the dialogue, redo it with narration. Same pictures, different words. Talking about ripping it apart putting it back together some other way. But Ellen's life is being ripped apart, too, and she may not be able to put it back together at all. Are you rejecting me? Oh, what do you think all I have to worry about is your problem? Look, it's a whole new season. I have game shows. I've got, I've got a serial with new characters. David, I'm a woman with responsibilities. Now, what is going on here? I am writing, editing, producing, directing. I'm doing everything except sweeping up the floor. All of a sudden, I'm a one-man band. Look, kid, what's the beef? I sold the idea. I sold you. Now, if you can't deliver what I've sold... Look, I need help, damn it! Well, why don't you go to your friend, the boy genius? I am telling you to let it go! Let him do anything they want with it, but not you, babe! Not you! David, I am trying to save this thing so that you can be proud of no, it. No, you're not. What you're angry about is that I want to do something, and I want to do it well. And I'd rather do that than be your wife or be your lover or be anything else. Sorry. It's your ambition, I think, that gets to me. The fact that you want to be something. That you want to be somebody. What the hell do you mean that I want to be? I am somebody. I am something. I like it. I like it very much. It's a circus. A great three-ring circus. And all-American. 
circus. I like the music, the, the excitement, the swift cuts, the, the fragmentary nature of it. And Gus here is something of a poet. <laughs> Webb, the show about making it in TV, does exactly that this fall. Centennial. James A. Michener's masterpiece comes to NBC with all the vast scope and sweeping drama of his bestsellers. With an all-star cast including Richard Chamberlain, Robert Conrad, Raymond Burr, Sally Kellerman, Alex Karras, Barbara Carrera, and Chad Everett. Here are some scenes from the opening segments. It is a dangerous enterprise. He must come and go through, uh, how many tribes? Pawnee. Cheyenne, Arapaho, Dakota, Comanche, Ute. Several thousand Indians and one white man alone. His chances for survival cannot be good. You can travel in Pawnee land, but for every five pelts you take, you must give me two. One. Last year you said one, it is still one. Maybe I keep him here. Make sure you come back from St. Louis. No. We go together. We come back together. How I know for sure? Because I am Pasquinel. I come to you unafraid. I thought I was a gambler, leaving Bavaria to come here. But this man of yours, he is... Alexander? He, he stayed with the Arapaho. Stayed? Again, why? It was my idea. He asked me to stay, but I told him he's the one they respect. Of course, if he'd known about the baby, he'd never have let me talk him into it. Mona, me, you don't understand what she said. Her father told her to go with me. He knew I would take care of her. Well, I heard, but Bakweiss asked you first. Bakweiss I... is in St. Louis. What about Lisa? Bakweiss will take care of her. He will always take care of her. Tell her I am proud to have her for my wife. of specials and multi-part movies this fall. Star-studded shows with the most celebrated headline entertainers in music and comedy. Novels that capture the country's imagination come alive in multi-part dramas. Special events filled with excitement, sentiment, and more. The biggest and most popular box office names become NBC stars in these world premiere television movies. Fun for the whole family when we invite you to NBC all the multi-part movies and specials in our new season. NBC.
addition to series and specials, here are some of the new movies and stars you'll be NBCing this fall on The Great Movie Nights on NBC. Airport 77. Starring Jack Lemmon, Brenda Vaccaro, Christopher Lee, Lee Grant, Joseph Cotton, Olivia de Havilland, James Stewart, George Kennedy, and Darren McGavin. All new, bigger, more exciting than Airport 1975. Airport 77, a private 747, a billionaire's luxurious plaything. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm glad you could join us. I've lost contact with 23 Sierra. 6.04 p.m. Flight 23 crashes into the Bermuda Triangle. p.m. Passengers still alive, trapped underwater. Chambers, Lewis, a couple hundred miles off course. The search planes will never look for us. There's no chance of... We're on our own. What do we do? Calm down. I said calm down! My daughter and my grandson are on that plane. Don't get too close to the door. in an underwater tomb. Can they be saved? An unforgettable adventure. Airport 77 with an all-star cast. King Kong. Vessel off Surabaya, the crew discovers a stowaway. Landing on the beach of the skull, where he heard the roar of the greatest beast. And rescues a beautiful castaway. She's alive! You know, maybe my luck has changed. It has. It's run out. Saved from the sea, only to face the most incredible giant on the face of the earth on an uncharted island that is the home of the creature called Kong. The most exciting original motion picture event of all time. King Kong. A fantastic adventure, unlike anything you've ever experienced before. Charles Groton and Jessica Lange as the beauty who charmed the beast and starring the eighth wonder of the world, King Kong. The Cassandra Crossing. You're going for a ride on the Transcontinental Express and it's one you'll never forget. Sophia Loren, Richard Harris, Burt Lancaster, Ava Gardner and O.J. Simpson. Now listen carefully, Doctor. There's a plague carry on that train. The entire train will be completely sealed at Nuremberg. The train is sealed. The passengers trapped. And the train is speeding toward the Cassandra Crossing. The Cassandra Crossing. It's unsafe. Any passengers attempting to escape from that train must be stopped, shot, and killed. You're going to die. The Cassandra Crossing. The Other Side of the Mountain. I'm Jill Kenmont, and I'm skiing! Jill Kenmont was going to the Olympics, and one more race would make it official. You'll be building up a lot of speed coming into that middle section, one they call the corkscrew. You come in though to it too fast, you're going to go straight up. The true story of a beautiful woman who died one afternoon on a hillside, only to be reborn on the other side of the mountain. The spinal cords completely severed. I'm going to walk out of this place. 
And if you tell anybody anything different, I'm going to make you look damn silly. Then a very special man entered her life and gave her the courage to live again. I don't care if you can't ski. And I don't care if you can't walk. I don't care if you crawl around like a lizard. I think you're beautiful. Marilyn Hassett and Bo Bridges star in The Other Side of the Mountain. Audrey Rose. The mother, the father, the child, the stranger. He's going to harm us. It's Ivy he's after. The past, the present, the nightmare. <coughs> the terror. I saw her burn her hands on a cold window. Marsha Mason and Anthony Hopkins in Audrey Rose. The novel of reincarnation is now a spellbinding motion picture. Never the child! We're both a part of this child. It will alter your ideas about life after death forever. And that's only the beginning. There's more. The Prisoner of Second Avenue, Neil Simon's smash comedy starring Jack Lemmon and Anne Bancroft. Paul Newman is the Macintosh Man in John Huston's international thriller. Jane Fonda and Donald Sutherland in Steel Yard Blues. Patton, George C. Scott in his extraordinary Academy Award-winning performance. What's Up, Doc? Starring Barbara Streisand and Ryan O'Neill. St. Ives, Charles Bronson and Jacqueline Bissett in a chilling drama of bribery and murder. Burnt Operators, starring Betty Davis, Karen Black, and Oliver Reed. The Drowning Pool, starring Paul Newman and Joanne Woodward. These are only some of the stars and box office hits coming this fall on The Great Movie Nights on NBC.